By the end of the 15th century, the old St. Peter's Basilica in Rome was crumbling. The old building had been constructed during the time of Constantine the Great, some 1,100 years before. So it was long overdue for an overhaul. By 1505, the project began in earnest. But like all capital projects, rebuilding St. Peter's required money. The Pope was the spiritual leader of the Western Church, but that didn't immediately translate into power, prestige, or wealth. Popes often clashed with emperors, kings, and lords. Powerful families in Rome often held the purse strings. So the Pope started a capital campaign. One branch of this campaign was run by an archbishop in Germany who appointed a then obscure Dominican priest named Johann Tetzel to offer indulgences for donations. An indulgence was a reduction in one's sentence in purgatory after death. Tetzel was such a good salesman that he even coined a little jingle to go with the campaign. Once the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. You know the rest of the story. An obscure German monk named Martin Luther from the backwater university town of Wittenberg wrote 95 theses attacking indulgences, hoping to spark an academic debate. Instead of debate, though, these theses sparked revolution. I mention this story not just because it's Reformation Day. I mention it because God's people have a tendency, no matter who they are or what time they live in, of letting the building project take precedence over God's building project, the human heart. King Solomon, David's son, had the most ambitious building project in the Old Testament the construction of the temple in Jerusalem. But he didn't come up with the idea. In 2 Samuel 7, David, at the height of his powers, wants to build a temple for the Lord. There are no enemies troubling him at that moment. He's constructed a palace for himself. And David realizes after he's settled and comfortable, oh wait, I'm living in this beautiful house, but God, the, the, the ark, is still in the tent. God is still in a tent. Hmm. The motive is good. God has done everything for David, so David wants to do something for God. But God is not impressed with the idea. You're going to build me a house, David? No, you've got it backwards. I'm going to build you a house a family line that will endure forever. But the drive to build a house for God is strong, and it's understandable. There is a political motive here for Solomon. After all, having the central place for worship in one's capital city has a way of legitimizing the king's rule. But Solomon has another motive, other than political, a motive common to humanity in all times and places. Humans need sacred spaces. Sacred spaces, like this beautiful building, can direct our attention. They can make us more focused. They can help us be in a headspace where we can hear the word of God more clearly. Sacred spaces and sacred times 
help us connect with God. And if I may say so, they also provide a certain amount of insulation from God's overwhelming holiness. We can come to this space and receive the Lord's word in a way that is relatively safe. But that safety is certainly not guaranteed, as the priests find out. They are so overwhelmed by God's presence as they dedicate the temple that God's presence drives them out of the temple as they're trying to do their work. They can't continue their duties. God shows no disapproval of the building, but the building does not define who God is or what God does. The building does not limit the Lord. Solomon realizes from the beginning when he says that the, he realizes this when he says that the temple is a house for the name of the Lord, for the name of the Lord, not for God's own being. In any case, our desire for sacred spaces is our need, not the Lord's need. And in and of itself, that's not bad. Where we go wrong is when our sacred buildings become ends in themselves. That's what happens some 300 years later with the temple itself. Because the temple is in Jerusalem and because God's presence dwells there, the people wrongly reason that God will never let the city fall. The prophet Jeremiah spoke to this. Don't trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Don't believe that nothing bad can happen just because the temple is here. The object of worship became the building. And sure enough, the building was destroyed. All buildings are destined to fall. Every church, every house, every structure you can think of will crumble one day. The Egyptian pyramids have stood for 4,500 years. The most ancient wonder of the world is the only one still standing. But they too are being worn down brick by brick. There are church buildings still in use that date back to the third century. But you can just imagine the maintenance required just to keep them standing after so long. Even Grand St. Peter's Basilica, rebuilt in the 1500s, has an army of maintenance people dedicated to keeping the building functional and usable. It will meet the same fate one day. Yet, God's people have endured throughout the ages. The temple's destruction did not mean the end of the Jewish people. One could argue that it meant a new beginning as many of the books of our Old Testament were redacted and finalized during the time of the exile of Babylon. It sparked a new way of understanding what it meant to be God's people. Persecutions, ancient and contemporary, have not met the end of the Christian faith, but its revitalization. God's people of all times and all places have persevered by God's grace which should tell us something. God loves building projects too, but the building project that God loves is you and me. 
We are the divine building project. And this building project has been going on since God called Abraham to a new land. The Holy Spirit has been working in God's people of all times and places to create new hearts within us. As we heard last week in David's psalm, Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That clean heart, that new heart, we would call it Christ's heart. Christ's heart of compassion and love for the most vulnerable, caring for the suffering and striving for justice and peace throughout the world is the clean heart the psalmist speaks of. At Shalom, we certainly love our building. So many of you have sacrificed to bring this house of God into existence. But remember that all this, as beautiful as it is, isn't the main building project. The main ongoing, lifelong building project is us, reformed and transformed into the image of Christ. And in that image, let's live out God's call. Let's pray. Lord, we are your house built with living stones. Our lives are your building project. Make us into the image of Christ, whole and complete.